Who do men say that the Son of Man is? Who do you say that I am? It's a good question, an important question. If I were to ask you that question, who do you say that Jesus is? You might answer right away. You might be bold like Peter. You might stutter for a moment. You might get tongue-tied like a young person about to be confirmed, being questioned by the bishop. You don't want to get it wrong. At first, the disciples were speechless. How humiliating it would have been to say the wrong thing, to admit you misunderstood your master's identity. Perhaps it'd be better to say nothing than to be wrong. So they remained silent. Scared to proclaim the glorious truth of who Jesus is. But finally, one speaks up. Among this motley crew of men, one spoke. His name was Simon, and he was marked by an impulsiveness that in his life was both helpful and harmful. He declared, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus turned to him, but didn't affirm his intellect or his clever wit. Rather, he declared, Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then Jesus said to Simon, You are Peter, meaning rock. And on this rock I will build my church, and the powers of death shall not prevail against it. So, like Moses and David and many prophets and kings before him, Peter is chosen, anointed to leads, lead God's people, not because of his strengths, but in spite of his weaknesses. Peter's faith was not something he cultivated through his own hard work, his own piety. It was not human ingenuity, flesh and blood, as our Lord says, but supernatural grace that moved Peter to answer well. St. Paul confirms that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So we find that from the very beginning, the popes, the first Pope Peter and all of his successors, some great saints, some grave sinners, proclaim the truth of who Jesus Christ is by divine revelation, by a grace of God. And we are to assent to the Pope's teaching and leadership not merely because we may think that he's smart, that he's particularly witty, or because he might have the power to guarantee our assent to what he says. No, we assent to the Pope's teaching because by faith we believe he is inspired by God. It is not flesh and blood in which we put our trust. It is not the man, the Pope himself. It is God himself. It is Jesus' word in today's gospel. You see, without today's proclamation, without these words of Christ, we would be silly to follow the Pope. We know by personal experience how flawed humanity is. The church would not last two moments. It certainly would not last two millennia if it were not guided by the Holy Spirit and its popes not given a particular grace of God. 
The great 20th century author Hilaire Belloc expressed this when he said, The Catholic Church is an institution I am bound to hold divine. But for unbelievers, a proof of its divinity might be found in the fact that no merely human institution conducted with such knavish imbecility would have lasted a fortnight. You see, church, we couldn't possibly have lasted this long if it was simply a human endeavor. No matter how incompetent or immoral the Pope has been, and some of them have been both, the unity of the faith has been preserved. Not once have we had to backtrack and say, well, oh, that Pope was wrong. And now on this issue of faith and morals, we need to correct something he said ex cathedra from the throne, from the seat of Peter. Not once. Our Lord has preserved us by his grace. God is with us and has given us a pope, and through the grace, through his grace, he has given us unity. Brothers and sisters, the fact that we have a pope is great cause for rejoicing. When a pope is elected, one of the cardinal electors stands on the loggia, that porch on the front of St. Peter's Basilica, and says in Latin, Annuncio vovis gaudium magnum, habemus papam. Hearing those words, really a few years ago for Pope Francis, we were all, while I was in seminary, so overjoyed. We have a Pope, habemus papam. And we drove around the, ca- the campus of Catholic University in, in my Jeep with a Vatican flag out the window saying, I'm announcing what great joy it was that we have a Pope. Thank God we have a Pope. I announce to you a great joy, he says, we have a Pope. The Catechism tells us by the gift of the Holy Spirit we have the Pope, who is the perpetual and visible source and foundation of the unity both of the bishops and of the whole company of the faithful. Thank God we have a Pope. Thank God that he has given, that God has given us this great gift of unity through Peter and his successors. Thank God that we are one church united in one faith, which we will proclaim in just a few moments. Some of our separated brothers and sisters have tried other ways have tried to maintain the unity of the faith in other ways. Without success, our separated brothers and sisters in Christ have selectively ignored this gospel. Perhaps because it's hard to believe that God could work such marvels through men. And some say that there is no Pope. Truth be told, if no one is Pope, Everyone is Pope. Without a visible head, there is no principle on earth for unity in the church. Unity would be smashed into a thousand pieces and we would wander like scattered sheep without a sure faith in which to believe, without a clear path to follow. The Protestant experiment tried to replace the Pope with Scripture alone, giving it sole authority. Yet Protestants cannot agree on what Scripture says 
and have no earthly way to resolve their conflicts. So while they say that authority resides in Scripture alone, in claiming that the anointing of the Holy Spirit and thus the ability to properly interpret Scripture lies on each person, on each individual, in effect, they become the very Pope they denounce. Each person is anointed to take Scripture however they wish. Everyone ends up being a Pope unto themselves. And estimates place the number of Protestant denominations as high as 30,000. They all claim the Scriptures as their source of truth, but differ on many essential matters. And when they cannot resolve things, when they cannot agree, they simply subdivide again and again and again. You see, church, without the Pope, the unity of the church collapses. Jesus has established the papacy. Jesus has given us this source of unity. Jesus guides the church, his body, by a supernatural grace. So let us pray, fervently pray to Jesus that he will guide and defend his church and especially the Pope, his gift of unity to us. We must love and pray for the Pope and do so with greater affection each day because it's a job that no mere man can do on his own. He needs the grace of God. For he is the rock, the foundation stone of the church throughout the centuries, right to the end of time. Let's pray that Peter, that with Peter, whose name today is Francis, we may always say, united one in faith, loudly and proudly, without fail, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen.